What's up, guys? This is BC Mitten, Dire Night Gaming here for another round of Podcast Madness. Today's episode, Kingdom Hearts 3, which is out now on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Also, if you're interested, I managed to record some uh, videos of gameplay and cinematics of the story of Kingdom Hearts 3 on my YouTube handle, Dire Night Gaming. Kingdom Hearts 3 stars Haley Joel Osment, who returns as Soya and also voices Vanitas. David Gallagher returns as Riku, also plays Replica Riku and Dark Riku. Allison Stoner returns as Kyrie and also plays Zion, or Zion, whichever way you want to say it. It's spelled X-I-O-N. Willa Holland voices Aqua. Jesse McCartney returns as Ventus slash Roxas. Also, Mark Hamill makes a voice acting debut in Kingdom Hearts as Master Eloquus. And Rutger Hauer as Master Xehanort. Now... Kingdom Hearts 3 is set after the game Dream Drop Distance, and the story itself opens with the final scenes of Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. Kingdom Hearts 3 is the conclusion of the Xehanort Saga, also more officially going by the name of the Dark Seeker Saga. Now, the importance behind all this is you... you you really got to take into consideration that this has been many, many years coming and also many games coming for the conclusion of this this saga. I mean, it, it is mind-boggling how many games it took to reach this point. You know, I'm not going to lie. When... Kingdom Hearts 2 finished, I was I was sad. I was straight up sad because I was like, okay, well, you know, normally there's some kind of rumor that it's going to be a third game, all that kind of stuff, you know. But Tetsuya Nomura, the game creator and everything, he never let on as though there was going to be a third game. It was always a rumor, but everywhere in between, there was, you know, there was side game after side game after side game after side game. Everything ranging from Dream Drop Distance to Recoded to Chain of Memories to Birth by Sleep, Birth by Sleep Fragmentary Passage, all that stuff. Heck, even the mobile game, uh, I believe it's called Union, you know, I mean, even that... All of those side games tied into 1, 2, and 3 in some way. And it's funny because, you know, I think that Namura and the rest of the Square Enix crew kind of figured that, you know, well, if, if, they're, if we as gamers are big enough fans, we're just going to... You know, just buy every single one of them, play every single one of them, and, you know, be happy and content. But the problem is, you know, for myself, I don't know, you know, if uh, if the rest of you 
thought this, but for myself, uh, I wanted Kingdom Hearts 3. I wanted to see what happened next because there was no way that Kingdom Hearts 2 was the end of it. There was no way. Especially when you got the secret ending and you saw, you know, this, this, these three apparent Keyblade wielders standing in the middle of a graveyard of Keyblades. I mean, yeah, that was kind of, that was a, that was a mind shattering experience it was like whoa okay so if there's going to be a third game are they going back in time what's going on you know i was excited i was pumped but kingdom hearts 3 never came instead we got stuff like you know uh recoded dream drop distance you know chain of memories all that kind of stuff you know we got that and after after a while i I hate to say it, but as huge of a fan as I was, as much as I loved Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, I just, it almost feels like I lost touch with it. It was just like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to play any more Kingdom Hearts games that wasn't going to be the third and supposedly final game. I just, I couldn't do it. And then, last few years happened, and wouldn't you know it, rumors are going haywire about Kingdom Hearts 3, about, you know, well, what new Final Fantasy characters are going to be in there this time, you know, uh, is there is there going to be, you know, is... is Barrett going to be in there, is Red 13 going to be in there? Is the Don Tribal from Final Fantasy Nine? You know, the whole the whole shebang. You know, are they going to be in there? Because I mean, they had Vivi. Why not Steiner? Why not Garnet? You know, or Amarant? You know, any of them. But the reality is, when Kingdom Hearts Three finally came out less than a month ago, we came to a start realization there are no Final Fantasy characters in there that didn't really sit too well with me on the simple fact that Tetsuya Nomura thought that well Kingdom Hearts 2 concluded the purpose of the Final Fantasy characters that existed in the two games you know it concluded their stories I disagree but I mean you know I'm not a game creator. I didn't I don't have the vision that Namora probably has for long-term future goals of uh, the Kingdom Hearts series. So, I mean, you know, this is me as a gamer, as a fan of Final Fantasy and as a fan of Kingdom Hearts that I just thought that, you know, there would be more Final Fantasy characters. You know, heck, I even me like everybody else thought that Noctis was you know, from Final Fantasy Fifteen, or Lightning was going to be in there. But instead, it's the exact opposite. There were no Final Fantasy characters, not even a mention of them, or Sephiroth, for that matter. That was a big shock, because Sephiroth has been a, a staple for optional side boss that you can fight that was, like, darn near impossible to beat, especially in number two, because you could have the freedom of moving around and gliding and, you know, super jump and all that kind of stuff 
just and just for him to slap you around like you were nothing more than a child with a a pointy stick. You know, I mean, but Kingdom Hearts 3 does not have Final Fantasy characters in there. So if you have not played this game yet, then just know that don't expect to see Cloud or Tifa or Aerith or any of them return because they're not there. Apparently, their stories are done. I don't know if that means forever or if that just means for the Dark Seeker saga. Who knows? You know, but just go into the game thinking, okay, I'm not going to see any Final Fantasy characters. You'll be fine. Me, unfortunately, I thought that Nomura, when he uh, said something uh, close to the release of the game, that, you know, there would be no Final Fantasy characters in there. I thought he was just kind of trying to throw some shade on us, make it to where we wouldn't, you know... Uh, get ourselves too overly pumped or whatever, like get excited for the wrong reasons, I guess. But you know that was that was my foolish thinking. It's my fault, you know. Uh, I don't know if any of the SW that has played the game had those, you know, same kind of letdowns. But you know, it is what it is. Um, then you got, you know, you got you got the nobodies that returned. And by nobody, I mean specifically Organization 13. Some of them return to their bodies, like their human forms. Kingdom Hearts 3 does a really good job of creating these uplifting moments of just like, wow, we accomplished something from Kingdom Hearts 2 and how we defeated Organization 13. We defeated Zemnas. We defeated, you know, Xehanort and, and uh, you know, all the others. Zigbar, you know, Sykes, everything. You know, I mean, you, you really get the sense that there's an accomplishment there. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 comes around and you're just like, wait, whoa, hold on here. Why, why is Xehanort back? Why is, you know, Xemnas here? Why is Ansem here? And I'm not talking about Ansem the Wise. I'm talking about Ansem the Heartless. The one that caused all the trouble from the first game. You know, it's... You know, it just really was, you know, just like a brain explosion of just all this information coming at you at once. And you're just trying to take it all in and hope that you're going to understand. And no, that is not me dissing the game. Most people found this game to be confusing. And I guess in a way I could understand why if you are not a teenager... If you are younger than a teenager, I can see why this game would be confusing. But if you are a teenager and up that has read the lore of Kingdom Hearts, has played even a few of the side games like, you know, Birth by Sleep, Dream Drop, you know, all those. Uh, if you've played even a few of them, then you kind of get a good idea of the, you know, of what's going on. And you, the only thing that does not seem the clearest is 
<coughs> what exactly the power of waking is. And, you know, you kind of get the sense that it has something to do with unlocking hearts and stuff like that, which that's exactly, that's exactly what it winds up turning out to be. But, but it is supposed to be a lot more of a, you have an almost virtual, virtually omnipotent power as a Keyblade Master and you're not supposed to misuse it. I will get to that part towards the end of this podcast. Maybe in a few minutes. Who knows? You know, I may be rambling for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. But, you know, I'll get there. Now, the thing about it is... The thing about it is, you can't really go in there thinking that it's going to be heartless, you know creatures all around and stuff like that because unlike Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2 there is a pretty healthy um, collection of the two enemy types plus you get the unversed added into the mix and this is this is one of the things that kind of made me feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 is not the end of the numbered Kingdom Hearts series as a whole. I truly believe that even though the Xehanort saga is done, I believe that because the Unversed was not done away with, they were fought off, but they weren't done away with, I have a feeling that they will play a part in Kingdom Hearts 4. Which, there's a rumor that there's going to be that. Obviously. You know, and I will get to that in just a minute, too. Now, with that being said, the Unversed are actually pretty pretty powerful. Um, I remember them from the game where you get to play as Aqua, Ventus, and, and Terra. Um, which is the prequel to Kingdom Hearts 1. Takes place, uh, I believe, roughly 10 years before Kingdom Hearts 1. And it is how everything pretty much goes to crap. It is the revelation of who Xehanort is, what he represents, and what he is trying to do. And he continues that with a vengeance in the third game. In a very big way. The Unversed only appear in the Monsters, Inc. world, Monstropolis. I thought that was a little bit of a uh, weird choosing. I would have probably chosen uh, Frozen's Arendelle, maybe. But Frozen's Arendelle actually had one of the toughest bosses in the game. Outside of Xehanort. Believe it or not, that old man can pack quite of a punch. Now, um, it is also in the Monsters, Inc. world, Monstropolis, where we find out that Vanitas is alive. He is very much alive and kicking, and he is on Xehanort's side, like he was in... uh, you know, the previous games. Well, 
We also, as we know from the game that he originated from, he uh, is pretty much a Sora lookalike, but with black hair and very wild eyes. It's, and if I'm not mistaken, if I'm trying to remember right, he also has almost like uh, sharp teeth. I could be very wrong about that. You know, I'm kind of, I'm trying not to sound stupid on the podcast, but you know, uh, here we are. Um, anywho, uh, Vanitas and Ventus are the quintessential forever enemies. Vanitas can't stand Ventus. Ventus can't stand Vanitas. And the funny thing about that is... Vanitas is connected to Ventus. And because of the events of Birth by Sweet... Um, he... He actually... <laughs> he actually is trying to track down Ventus's body... And funny thing about that is Ventus's heart is a part of Sora, just like Roxas is. And this game, who boy, this game with the whole power of waking bit, it is just it really gets you thinking. It's like, wow, they they really just kind of threw it all in there, didn't they? All the cards are on the table. You know, this is what's going on. Um, and the whole power of waking, um, you know, i.e. the power of awakening hearts, um, that is one of the things that Sora has to had to be able to learn in order to become a true Keyblade Master. And one of my biggest issues about this game is how they treat Sora. Sora is not my favorite character by any means. Uh, However, I do like him in this game quite a bit because he is is the literal definition of the self-sacrificing, you know... Always never giving up uh, hero. And he lives up to that. Big time. Multiple times in this game. Especially towards the end. Like, you know, and and yet he keeps being treated like he is this, this little bratty little brother almost. That can't do anything right. That That is just so utterly helpless that... That he always has to have help. And and the reality is... This is the kid who has saved the world. Not once, but twice. I mean, hello? What are you, what are you supposed to do when you're sitting there? You saved the world not once, but twice. And you're sitting there... Trying to become a Keyblade Master and nobody's cutting you a a, a single bit of slack. <clears throat> and you got Riku. He shows up and he just becomes Keyblade Master just like that. Riku. The kid who had all this darkness, all this bitterness and jealousy in his heart in the first game. Yes, he shed it. Yes, he he somehow took it in 
and transformed himself into, you know, the very thing that he hated in the second game, only to redeem himself in the end, reclaim his true form as, you know, Riku, and now he can just do the power of waking, he's Keyblade Master, he can do it all. He's traveling back and forth with King Mickey to the Dark World like it's going out of style. Yes, I get they're looking for Aqua. But the thing about it is, nobody seemed to trust Sora to be able to go to the Dark World until Riku and King Mickey are trapped there. Because King Mickey and Riku go down there, down to the Dark World, or over to the Dark World, however you want to say it, <clears throat> Even after Sora volunteers, hey, I'll go. I'll go save Aqua. Let me do it. I'm volunteering. You know, I can handle it. And nobody, Yen said, Mickey, Riku, all of them that are accounted for it in that moment are just like, no, you know, you, you need to have the power of waking. Otherwise, this is going to be an impossible task for you. It's like, are you kidding me? This kid saved your all time then so many dang times that, you know, it's, it's hilarious. And you're treating him like he's the screw-up that don't know how to do anything. <clears throat> so, that that was my biggest issue right there with Sora. Because he is so much stronger than any of them ever gave him credit for. And yet, even when he's doing all these awesome things... They're like, oh, well, congratulations. Have you gained the power of waking yet? Oh, you haven't? Well, you know, you need to go back out there till you do. Then you can come back. Then then you can be a part of this. It's like, whoa, okay, hold on now. <coughs> so, it's funny because in that moment, Riku and Mickey go to the Dark World and they get ambushed by... Um, what what the game calls the Demon Tide. And the Demon Tide is quite literally a swarm, a army, a horde of heartless, uh, you know, the, the shadows that are just bunched up together and they are just, they're this massively powerful and potent darkness that just blows all over the place. It tears and rips through things like a massive tornado. And they come up against that just for Riku and Mickey to be overpowered. And then... <laughs> then Sora ends up having to go to the Dark World anyway to save their Hondians. Well, it is there that they find Aqua, who has been overtaken by the darkness, all because when she tried to fight Ansem, who showed up earlier in the game, he knocks her into the the sea that is within Dark World, which looks, you know, like Destiny Islands. Because, why not? <clears throat> well, 
her and Sora end up fighting. And you get to you get to play as Sora fighting this this legendary Keyblade Master and she she is no pushover. She's actually she still goes among the top five hardest bosses in in the game. <clears throat> and I, I don't say that lightly because it's just you know she she was one of uh the most powerful keyblade masters out of her time and so when you beat her she you're finally able to save her and she's able to shed the darkness and she rejoins you well uh immediately upon doing that she you know despite despite the fact that she has to recuperate she decides well hey let's go wake up ventus who she calls vin um you know that's uh that's what he went by in his game that's what his friends called him well they go to track him down they find him because she undoes the spell that uh that was hiding his body away soon as they show up, Benita shows up because he'd been following them and when he uh noticed that they found Vim's body, he showed up to reclaim what he thought was his. At this point you take control of Aqua and you fight Vanitas and boy, it is a fun fight like to be able to fight as this legendary Keyblade Master and be able to use her in a way that you couldn't in the handheld game, wow. Like, she is quick. She is quick on her feet. She uses magic, very powerful magic spells, and you're able to get the best of Vanitas. <coughs> and lo and behold, the... Aftermath of the battle sees Vanitas getting ready to destroy Aqua because he overpowers her. And it and Sora magically gains the power of waking. And Ventus wakes up. And he is able to fight off Vanitas, who leaves because, well... He don't want to fight uh, three Keyblade wielders at once. I mean, why would you? Well, you know, we're going to fast forward a little bit more because, you know, I could sit here and talk all dang day about this game. Because when it comes down to story, Tetsuya Nomura and Square Enix did a fantastic job of weaving the lines and the threads together to form a fantastic plot. <coughs> because despite what most might think is, you know, just a jumbled up mess, it actually was a very clever a uh, clever po- plot line for, you know, you got Xehanort returning, you got the possessed body of Terra that is being consumed by a younger Xehanort. You have Ansem, you have 
the former, you know, said to be leader of Organization 13, Zemnas. You have the rest of Organization 13, save for the ones that betrayed Xehanort's cause to for to be able to redeem themselves. So <clears throat> ones like Vexen. Vexen is a very prom, uh, you know, prominent one because he is is the nobody formerly human scientist that was so intelligent that he was coming up with the experimentation of uh of replicas. And replicas could be used for people that whose hearts needed to be returned but didn't have a body. Like their corporeal body was gone. So the replicas, that's where the replicas came in into play. And some and Enzo and some of the other former uh organization thirteen nobodies were trying to replicate, for lack of better words, the replica experiment because they wanted to be able to help Sora out, Sora, Donald, Goofy, and the rest of them out to give Roxas his body back, to give Namine her body back. Nobody knew about Zion or Zion, however you say her name, and I apologize for not knowing how to say her name. Um, and, you know, to be able to give them their bodies back, to be able to give them life again. And, you know, while this is going on, you got Axel in his human form as Lee. He still goes by Axel. Um, and Kyrie are official Keyblade wielders. They're training, you know, their skills as Keyblade wielders. So, they're a part of all this, too. The The thing that is very interesting to me is that Mickey and Yen said both note that even though Kyrie has a Keyblade, she was still considered a Princess of Light. But, but because she does have a Keyblade now... She is more more of a guardian of light, like Sora and Riku and uh, Axel and them. Well, now things start get, start to get really heated up, really interesting, really fast. Because now it's all about getting to the Keyblade Graveyard, where it all began for Aqua, Ventus, and Terra. This is where it all went south. This is where Terra got possessed by Xehanort. This is where Aqua got sent to the Dark World. This is where Ventus got put to sleep and his heart was banished. Well, not banished, but, you know, uh, left his body. (coughs) And went into Sora. Well, it is here that just... It is it is hard to even describe what happens because so much happens at once. Um, the best way to say it is that everyone more or less dies. And the beauty of a Disney game 
or just Disney in general is they don't have to outright say it. They can beat around Bush, and anyone that is a teenager or older can understand exactly what happened. But kids that might play this game, because, let's face it, Kingdom Hearts 3 is suitable for kids. My four-year-old played it. My four-year-old beat it. I'm not joking, you guys. This game is beatable for a four-year-old. Now, to continue the story, everyone everyone loses their bodies. Everyone technically loses their hearts. But Sora, being the powerful and strong hero that he is, the one that from the very first game, you are always told, you are, you always see at the forefront that Sora's strength of heart is unparalleled. That he just, he does not give up. He will not give up. He will always be there for his friends and always try to save them. And that's exactly what happens. You find yourself... As Sora waking up in what is called the final world. Where you meet this cat-like spirit that is a friend of Ventus named Cherithy. And Cherithy tells you, well, if you want to make yourself whole again, you have to find your fragments. And you're sitting there, you're running around like a, you know, a baboon trying to run into your little Sora selves and you're sitting there like, okay, cool, this is uh, interesting. And then you're also at the same time raising your eyebrow because it's just this weird moment. Well, (laughs) when you think that you're done, you're not. You get sent to this other part of the final final world where... (laughs) Which, to be honest, we'll just call it heaven. Because that's technically what it is. It's blue, clear sky. It's very beautiful, very bright. So, I'm going to say it's heaven. (coughs) Well, the game's version of heaven takes you to another uh, area. And it's this, this structure that can be rotated, flipped upside down, all the way around. All that stuff. And everything in between all of that is uh, over a hundred versions of Sora that you have to touch. So you're gliding, you're running up the walls, you're flipping, you're kicking off of them. You're, you know, you're flying around and things like that. You're shot locking. All to piece yourself back together. And then... After that, you have to go uh, save your friends. So you're going through each and every one of these little portals and fighting Kingdom Hearts version of a lich. And the lich has every one of your friends' hearts. He's getting ready to take them. He's getting ready to make it to where you cannot bring them back. So, it is your sworn duty as 
hero and savior to all to fight off this lich and, you know, save their hearts. Well, when you're finally done doing all that, everyone's back in their bodies, and it's a very interesting moment because there's an awful lot of time travel references in this game because, for crying out loud, you have... Terra's possessed body by a younger version of the Xehanort that is in the present. That you wind up having to fight at the very end of the game. It's a it's a whole slew of just like it. You know, it could make your brain hurt if you think about it too much. Not really. But, you know, you appreciate the reference probably. Now, you... You get back to the present, everyone's in their bodies, all that stuff, and at this point, you are, it's all about trying to fight off uh, the demon tide and making sure that everybody stays alive, and it it leads to... Everyone being transported to a new world um, called the Skine of Severance. And it is here that as Sora, you are supposed to... Um, that as Sora, you're supposed to <laughs> go save everybody's butts. No, I'm not joking. The The kid who... Apparently couldn't become a Keyblade Master because he had a little bit too much darkness in, in his heart. Who knew, right? I mean, the kid's been through a lot. For crying out loud, give him a break already. So he couldn't use the power of waking. He was still kicking everybody's butts. And then to turn around... <clears throat> excuse me. And to turn around for... You know, all this with this massive battle, this technically, this Keyblade War happening. <laughs> it's hilarious to me because then you're you're sitting there, you're going through all these different areas in the sky of Severance trying to rescue your friends. Your friends like Mickey and Riku, Kyrie and Axel, Aqua and Ben. You know, all of them are fighting different versions of the Organization 13. Which, by the way, this is how the real Terra comes back. This is how Zion, who was friends with Roxas and Axel during their time in the Organization, um, you know, during the events of Kingdom Hearts 2, that was how... That was how... Um, they all met. Zion was a part of not um Kyrie's heart. Just like Nomine is a part of Kyrie's heart. Funny how that happens, huh? But anywho, you know, they come back. They're in their bodies. They're you know, they're keyblade wielders, they're ready to, you know, go up against Xehanort. And it's just I'm not going to spoil anything more because at that point, this is where a lot of bad, like, B.A. bad stuff happens because <coughs> Xehanort reveals his true power. And his true power is the X-Blade. 
or the Z blade, however you want to call it. Um, and with that, it's, it's just, it is up to Sora, Donald, and Goofy to save them all. Big shocker. I mean, obviously, we all knew that we were going to be stuck playing Sora the entire game, but it was kind of cool being able to, you know, fight with, uh, you know, Riku against Aqua earlier on, and by the way, I'm going to correct myself that that was what happened when you fight Aqua. You fight as, you know, as Riku. Um, I don't know why I said Sora, but I apologize to you all. I know that's very, uh, that's a big oversight, but, uh, you know, just bear with me. Because I'm trying to cover as much as I can. You know, I'm excited. You know, I'm pumped. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, I'm only human, though. I make, I make mistakes. But anyway, you know, it is right before Sora, Donald, and Goofy go after Xehanort for the final battle. That in order to form the X-Blade, Xehanort cuts down Kyrie, Heart and all. Boy, I cannot even begin to describe what ran through my head whenever that happened. I was like, oh, heck no. You know, go up there and pimp slap that old codger. Well, (laughs) Sora goes up there, he gets smacked off. Like I'm talking smacked off a dang top of the cliff and he ends up hitting the ground with a thud. He's sitting there bawling his eyes out and everything, and rightly so. That's the girl that he loves. Even though, even though, you can, this is how you can tell that Disney has a large hold on on the Kingdom Hearts franchise. When you know that two characters love each other, you can tell, and they haven't kissed. They're freaking 16, 17 years old now. Come on now. Teenagers, they kiss. You know, no, I'm not saying I'm just, like, salivating at the mouth for them to kiss or anything. But it's just kind of like, you know, you can tell there's affection. You can tell there's love. <coughs> Excuse me. That um, that goes beyond friendship in ways that Riku and Kairi never was. Riku and Kairi were always just friends. Sora and Kairi, on the other hand, were always something more. So that's how you know that Disney has a large foothold on this franchise because why would Disney want to make something like that happen? They want it they want this game to be so so accessible to kids that are probably younger than teenage years to be able to play this game that they're willing to make it rated G. And that's nuts, by the way, because this in actuality, Kingdom Hearts 3 is a pretty dark game. Yes, there's some funny stuff, but once you get about midway through the game, a lot of the hilarity is not present because it gets darker. Yes, it also gets a little bit more triumphant, but it gets darker at the same time. Case in point, Kyrie gets cut down. Riku and King Mickey can't even fight off Xehanort at this point because he has the X-Blade. He has technically the most powerful Keyblade in ever existence. And it was 
It was definitely interesting to see King Mickey jumping up sky high in the air and he's casting Ultima, the Final Fantasy series' most powerful black magic spell. And he is casting Ultima. You're like, holy crap, he is going to send Xehanort flying into yesteryear. You thought that. I know I did. And then all of a sudden, Xehanort holds his hand out and casts Stopka. He freezes King Nicky. All while, at the same time, Riku was in the middle of falling off the cliff after getting sucker punched in the face by Xehanort. So they're hanging there in midair. You know, Ultima doesn't even get casted after all. And Sora's just watching, like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this guy? Like, how am I supposed to stop him? (coughs) Well, Mickey and Riku finally, finally, uh, get released from the spell. They touch the ground, stand next to Sora. Everybody else shows up. So, just in time to see Xehanort turn Kingdom Hearts into darkness. It is at this point that everyone, all the other Guardians of Light that have the Keyblade, except for Sora, Donald, and Goofy, were to stay at the Skine of Severance to turn Kingdom Hearts back to light. All while the three half-pints, as they're called, were to go after Xehanort and stop him once and for all. That's all I'm going to say about the story Except for the way it ends. It ends with you wondering how Sora's going to come back from this. It ends with you wondering who the foretellers are. And what purpose Zigbar slash Luxu really has within the world now that he has the Master of Masters Keyblade. And the very same black box that Maleficent and Pete have been looking for throughout the game. Yes, that black box. We don't know what it is. We don't know what's in it. But the smile on Zigbar's face indicates that that black box is going to have a huge part to play in the coming game, Kingdom Hearts 4. You know there's going to be a Kingdom Hearts 4 because why would they do an epilogue and also a secret ending... On top of that, that indicates more villainy, newer villains, and a mysterious character that looks almost exactly like Riku, but with different colored eyes. (coughs) So, the thing about this game is it's very fun. It is supposed to be a fairly long game, like uh, when you do side missions, which I'm assuming they're including um, item farming for the Moogle Synthesis Shop and Lucky Emblem pictures and... Trying to fill out the uh, Ratatouille cookbook. um, And fighting the uh, 
Dark Inferno secret boss that is located at the Skine of Severance after you beat the game and you save, which will put a little crown above your save slot. Um, so you got those and you got the gummy uh, gummy space, you know, fighting the bosses there, collecting items, all that kind of stuff. So, <coughs> excuse me, Square Enix has slated this game to be 50 plus hours long when you do all the side stuff, including the main missions. But if you don't do the side quests and missions and extra stuff, then... The game is less than 30 hours long, from my understanding. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to level with you guys right now. The attraction... uh, The attraction abilities are cool. But some of them are so powerful that you can wipe enemies in no time flat. Bosses that... You're sitting there, you're chipping away at their health. You use the attractions, and sometimes you can take up to a health bar and a half. That's nuts. Then you got the summons called Lynx. You can summon uh, Wreck-It Ralph. You can summon Ariel, of all things. You can summon Stitch. You can summon Simba. And let me tell you, Simba, whoo! He is, he is powerful. He is very powerful. Like, the the Lion King link is probably my absolute favorite one to use. <coughs> Not because of how powerful it is, but because of how powerful the presence is. Like, every footfall, every jump shakes the ground. And it's like, whoa, okay, cool. And you got this, this inferno that you can summon, and that's just awesome. I love that. Um, now, the Keyblades, I, I've i got to say, I was not impressed with the Keyblades at all in this game. Yes, the form changes was cool. I, You know, my absolute favorite ones to use was uh, Wheel of Fate and Nano Gear. Those were really fun. Now, that is Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Big Hero 6, respectively. Um, Those form changes were awesome. Definitely, definitely awesome. And you could upgrade the Keyblades and max them out, make them, like, super powerful and uh, extend the form change limit. You can make the form changes stronger, all that kind of stuff. You know, the whole shebang. Well, um, then you got the hunt for the ultimate weapon. You have that. And that is, once again, something that you can synthesize in uh, the Moogle shop. Well, you got to do the whole item farming and all that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you right now, this actually pretty easy to get... Um, Donald and Goofy's ultimate weapons uh, about midway through the game if uh, you could probably get it and that you know that did not happen in 
the second game or the first game unless you really know where knew where to look and if you constantly farmed. Which in the second game for me, you know, I I farmed quite a bit and you know, I was able to get get uh save the queen, save the king, uh in almost no time. Um Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't really seem that much different on that manner, and that was with my four-year-old playing about 90% of the time. And the times that I played, I was just, you know, just going through the motions, making videos and stuff like that for my YouTube channel. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, um, there's not that many Keyblades in there. There really is not. There, I... You know, don't hold me to this, but I think there is probably a grand total of maybe eight, maybe nine, and that's including the ultimate weapon, uh, and that's including pre-order uh, keyblades. If you pre-ordered the game with the PS4, you got a blue, uh, bluish keyblade. If you pre-ordered on the Xbox One, you got a green version of that same keyblade. Um, so, I mean, and, uh, it was just, and then, of course, you play, if you played, uh, the Kingdom Hearts Union, Union X, I believe it's called, uh, mobile game, you would be able to get, uh, that, you know, that purplish keyblade on Kingdom Hearts 3 as well. Um, but it's, but at the end of the day, the Keyblades just, as cool as some of the form changes were, I just wish there were more options. I mean, come on. I missed the Oblivion. The Oblivion was my absolute favorite Keyblade to use. I was just like, oh man, this thing's awesome. It had a long reach, all that stuff. I loved it. And when I realized that it wasn't a part of Kingdom Hearts 3, I actually got sad. Like, I'm not joking. I actually got sad. It was like, oh, okay, cool. So I have to stick with, you know, Wheel of Fate or Nano Gear. Wheel of Fate reminded me a lot of Oblivion, so I think that's why I favor it so much. That and the fact that, you know, its form change is pretty darn awesome. Um... Now, I will say that Nano Gear is really good to use when you're uh, doing the final stretch against uh, Xehanort, Armored Xehanort, and the final Xehanort fight at the end. Um, Nano Gear is really good to use because it can close the distance and it has a bunch of powerful, you know, uh, combo uh, finishers that it uses. And that's, you know, that is definitely something that you want to be able to have under your belt. Um, you can cast Grand Magic, meaning uh, a lot like what Aqua did in her game, you know, the Birth by Sleep game. You cast so much of, say, say you cast uh, Thundaga or Thundaga. Uh, you cast so much of it, you get this option that pops up. It's a situation as it called, the situation uh, action. Press triangle button, you cast Thundaza. 
which is the grand magic spell, has a huge area of effect, and it can wipe a lot of enemies. It's, it actually takes out a huge chunk of boss uh, health points. That's uh, that's really handy, and that includes uh, Xehanort, both armored and not armored. Um, now, I will say this game is actually very surprisingly easy. My four-year-old beat the game. Okay? I went and beat the game uh, beforehand uh, one night just so I could make the videos, get on YouTube, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't struggle, but... You know, Xehanort obviously lived up to the moniker of a good final boss to fight because he's actually one of the five toughest bosses in the game, in my opinion. Um, and he he is a lot of fun to fight. Honestly, my, my favorite fight with him, like, phase was as his... Uh, armored form, and he, he was awesome to fight like that, because he just, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he just went haywire on you, and I loved it, I loved every second of it, and my son, my four-year-old, he just, uh, he went on a tear on armored and unarmored Xehanort, and he took him down, he did not die, no Koopo coins we used in that fight, I can assure you of that, and he did spectacular. So, I say to you, does that make this game too easy if a four-year-old who barely understands the mechanics of the game, barely understands the buttons that you have to press to do certain things, can sit there and just beat the game? I think it does. But, in all honesty, even though the game is easy, it is the easiest out of the three numbered games in the franchise. It is also one of the best. It is also one of the most entertaining. I miss being able to go into Final Form like I could in Kingdom Hearts 2. I loved it. Loved being able to do that. You know, I mean, that was that was awesome. Loved being able to have the Oblivion Keyblade and all that kind of stuff. But even though Kingdom Hearts 3 is easy, and some of the faults of it was that it was easy and it relied a lot on the attraction, uh actions and stuff like that it made up for it in its plot its characterization it's and and the the deep the dark the dark story that it had including also the gummy ship space oh man that is free roam people i mean you sit there and you fight you fight these massive fortresses these massive bosses and everything and gummy space and you're moving around you're fighting you're trying to get out of there 
<coughs> excuse me, you're trying to get to where you're going and everything. It was good. You know, I love it. In fact, I'm going to return to Kingdom Hearts 3 at some point, you know, whenever I can play again. And I'm going to explore Gummy Space some more because that's where you uh, can get the Damascus, uh, which you use for Keyblade upgrades and stuff like that. You can buy it, but, you know, they're expensive.